We are in John chapter 14, starting in verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you, I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before. They happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. Pray with me. Lord, again, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for opportunities like this where we get to dive into your word, Lord, and learn about the peace that you bring to us. Lord, I ask that you would be within the hearts of each and every one of us as we hear this message this morning. Lord, that it would be applied to our hearts, that we may experience the peace that Jesus talks about, that you offer through Jesus. Lord, we are so grateful for all you've done for us. Lord, help us to uh, have the strength to live that out every single day. In your name we pray. Amen. If I'm not mistaken, I think there used to be a, uh, a bucking bronco or a bull or whatever that was named Steve-O. I'm glad it wasn't Doug-O. But uh, yes, yes, what a, what a joy. Thank you, uh, teenagers, for putting that together. Whoever filmed that, your pictures were great, and uh, we do appreciate We don't normally do this, but that's okay. I'm, I'm not one for stoicism. I, I like to change things up. And this morning in prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something. Um, I want you to take hands this morning. If you have to move closer to everybody, go ahead and do that. I want you to take hands. There is a method to my madness in doing this. At our home, with our six children, we would always take hands to pray so that they wouldn't get to the food before I did. <laughs> but this morning, we're holding hands to pray so no one escapes our hour of prayer. Let's pray. We thank you, our God, that even this morning we've had the privilege of being introduced to your presence. And that's been accomplished through fellowship, through song, and now the grasping of hands. Because it is in that fellowship that John writes to us as you instructed him to write. These things we've written unto you that your joy, your fellowship would be full. And there's nothing like a family, 
Specifically, there's nothing like the family of God. And I thank you this morning, O oh Lord God, that even if we clasp hands, we can come to you boldly before your throne. There are concerns, O oh Lord God, that we have. Concerns that we may not have the answers for, but I'm glad that you do. And so that's why we come. We come and we lay before you our requests, knowing full well that you are able to do that which is exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. We lay our requests before you because whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we desire to do it all to the glory of God. And we come before you and we lay our requests before you because we know and realize that the God who spoke this universe into creation is also the one who can speak peace in the midst of a storm. And so, Lord God, we come before you this morning as a family, a family who we have been joined together, not just with hands, but joined together through the precious blood of Christ. We thank you for the freedom that we have to be able to even do this. And we ask, O oh Lord God, that even this morning as we bring our request to you, that your will be done, your glory will be honored, and we will have as a family a greater sense of you moving in our midst. We lift up to you this morning, O oh Lord, our, our dear sister, uh, uh, Polly. She needs to go see a physician in order to get some answers concerning, O oh Lord God, wisdom for her kidneys. We don't know the full impact of that. We don't understand the full that is going to happen from that, but we ask, O oh Lord God, that you would intervene that you would bring upon her, even this morning, a sense of your presence, your peace that passes all understanding. And give to her, O oh Lord God, the strength. Give to the doctors wisdom. And O oh Lord God, we, we ask that your will be done. And my heart was blessed as I looked in the back of the church and was able to see our, our dear sister, Dawn Lenker. I pray for her the tests that she has had to go through. All of that information now is at the disposal of the physician. And I ask, O oh Lord God, as she plans on going back to that physician on this Thursday, that you would direct the conversation, that you would direct the knowledge and give them wisdom as to what needs to be done. But in the meantime, I thank you for sustaining her. I thank you for encouraging her. And even in the times that she senses she's alone, but yet, Lord, she's not, because you're there. And I pray for her. I ask that you would use her for your honor and glory. Use this particular storm in her life to draw her closer to you, her family members closer to you. Use this situation in order to bring about a, a, a vision of glory that they have not yet seen in you. And allow, O oh Lord God, your will to be done to honor and to bring you the glory. With that, too, we 
we lift up to you, Lord God, uh, Karen Paul's mom. And we know that that is, uh, that is tugging on Karen's heart. And I know her family members. So Lord God, I, I pray that there would be a soothness of your presence. Even as we're holding hands here today, Lord God, I pray that you would come and grasp hold of them. And allow them, Lord, to sense your presence. Allow them to know and understand that you're in control. And allow them, O oh Lord God, to rest in the peace that passes all understanding that will guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And allow them, O oh Lord God, to, to just reflect upon their mother's life and how she has impacted their lives. And may you, O oh Lord God, may your mighty will be done in this, in this woman's life. Thank you for the promise that you made to her so many years ago. And that promise may very well be coming to fruition. We don't know, but Lord, I pray that uh, you would comfort the family at this time. And then, Lord God, we thank you for the, for the children, the 200, over 200 children that came through with their parents this past Thursday. Yes, they got treats, they got sweet, they got pictures taken. But what, Lord, what we're hoping they got is an understanding that there's a church and there's a God that loves them. And that, Lord, that as they would read that track that was in the bag given to every family, they would come to know and understand that they can have life eternal in Christ Jesus. We don't know what the seed will produce yet in that particular outreach, but we trust, O oh Lord God, and know full well that you're in control. All we did was plant Maybe we even watered. But Lord, you're the one who gives the increase. So I pray, O oh God, that you would bring about a movement of your spirit in the midst of our community. Then I remember our nation and those who protect our nation. I pray for our service, men and women all over the world, knowing full well that I have a granddaughter who now serves in the Air Force. I ask, O oh Lord God, for your hand of protection, not just upon Ashley, but upon all that serve our country. I pray for that, Lord God, that in, even in the midst of what may seem coming, coming conflicts, that, Lord God, that you would guide and direct and lead. And then, too, Lord, for our country, we have an, a, uh, an election that is coming up that can very well change the course of our nation. I've been asking, Lord God, and you know my heart, I've been asking maybe you would give us one more opportunity to be a nation of morality. One more opportunity to be a nation that we would proclaim as a republic, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Oh, God, I, I ask that you would direct by your will and for your glory. I know what you say in your word, that you raise up kings and you remove kings. You raise up kingdoms and you remove kingdoms. I, I know that, God. And I'm just asking that if your will would be done, that there would be a, a, an election that would be focused first and more, foremost upon you as the ultimate supreme that it is you and you alone 
for it is in Christ alone is our only hope. So Lord God, direct us through your word and through the uh, voters' guides that we have to make wise choices, to be able to be used of you in this manner is a high honor. And I pray, O oh God, that it would be done well. And when we come to your word, Lord, too, we, we ask that the clarity of your gospel would come through. It is the good news. It's the good news, as Pastor Steve-O read for us this morning, that there's peace in it. There is peace. And there may be some here this morning that are struggling, wondering if there is ever a peaceful time. I ask, oh God, that you would speak to our hearts this morning through your word, direct our thoughts and the intents so that you and you alone would receive the glory that is due your name. And it is in Christ's name we ask these things. And all God's people would say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. I trust you're still at uh, John chapter 14 this morning by the way we do have a community connection celebration that you're all invited to I love the fifth Sunday of a month because I can go as long as I want now whether you get a donut or a coffee or not, that's, that's minor. No, don't worry, I'm going to get one too, but uh, we'll get you out of here. But um, I'm glad to be before you this morning. There were a number of years ago where two painters were in a contest. And each one of them said that they could paint a portrait that highlighted peace. And as they begin to paint, one painter painted this sunset with the sun going down over the calm water. And it all looked very nice and the picture had a calming effect. But the other painter painted something that looks like this. Can we go to that slide, please? What's that, ma'am? It locked up on us. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command that spirit of lockedness to be done. When you can bring it up, Miss Dyer, yeah, that'll be fine. The other painter painted a picture of a storm. In it, the sky was dark, and there was lightning, thunder, 
and dark clouds rolling overhead. The picture showed the waves crashing against the rocks. And things looked fairly chaotic, but in the corner of the painting, at the bottom, there were two big stones with a bird in the middle of them. And the bird was singing. Now that's peace. Peace is where God's calm and God's tranquility overrules your concerns. And peace is a bridge on, on the, which on the two sides of the bridge are truth and righteousness. And you must have truth and righteousness if you're going to have peace. One thing I know is that darkness cannot be present in the midst of light. And so worry cannot be present in the midst of the power of peace. And Jesus Christ is our peace. This morning I want to share with you, thank you, Ms. Dye, for, for getting that up. I appreciate that. This morning I want to give to you the the sixth key of John chapter 14, that Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. It's the key of a promised peace. Yes, it, I couldn't find, I don't believe a better picture than the one that's there, because we've all had storms, right? We all understand how the waves rack against the stones. And this picture is kind of interesting because of the lighthouse that is there. And the light dispels the darkness so that ships can come to the harbor for safety. All in all, that's a great picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Especially in John chapter 14, when Jesus is talking about the, the peace that he wants to give. We have a classified peace when Jesus makes an interesting statement in verse 27 when he says peace I live with you my peace I give to you it's very classified because Jesus says it's my peace it's the kind of peace that you can't get from anywhere else I looked up the definition of peace, and these might be something that you're familiar with, but in the biblical dictionary, I have a definition of peace is a harmonious relationship between individuals in, in terms, uh, in times, I should say, and um, ultimately with God. But I came to think through this, and and, and peace is often described as the absence of noise. It's when all the children leave after the Wygant Christmas. And I look at my wonderful wife and I say, listen, there's no noise. We, we love the noise, we really do, for about two days. And then after that, I'm too old, gotta go. Peace is the absence of noise. Peace is the stillness of one's heart 
and soul. Peace is the ceasing of strife or war. Peace is the satisfaction of knowing that even in the midst of a storm, God is someone you can trust. That's peace. Oswald Chambers says it a little bit more eloquently when he said, peace, it is a, it's a peace which comes from looking into the face and realizing of Christ's undisturbedness. It's a peace all over from the very crown of your head to the sole of your feet and irrepressible confidence. Jesus said, I give you my peace. There are three passages I just want you to chat down and then you go back and look at them later. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 it says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Philippians 4, 7, we have a peace of God which guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And in Colossians 3, 15, it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When Jesus said, my peace I give you, then he qualifies that by saying, not as the world gives. The world is, tries its best to highlight some kind of peace, but they're way far short. In fact, one individual wrote that psychologists state that well, there needs to be a peace of mind. Well, but when the world gives peace that is shallow, unsatisfying, temporary, and offered through outward means, I don't know how you can have a peace of mind. Where in Christ Jesus, peace is with God that rests deep in our heart, always satisfying, abides forever, and is a peace that dwells in our hearts. It's a huge difference. The world can maybe offer you some slightness of peace, but it never stays. It always fades away. Why? Because there, to the world, peace is demonstrated on maybe the things that you have. But yet, when those things are gone, there is no peace. And Jesus qualifies this by by saying, let not your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I love Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 that says, You, O God, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It's that perfect peace that comes from Christ. And in Ephesians 2.14, it emphatically says that Christ is our peace. It is him. Whereby, remember, our chapter began with this phrase. 
And now it's ending with this phrase. In verse 1, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. And now Jesus closes this chapter by saying, Let not your hearts be troubled, nor be afraid. Why? Because I'm giving you a peace. A peace that the world cannot give. It's a peace that will never dissipate. It is there. In verse 27, we have a classified priest, a peace. In verse 28 to 29, we have a completed peace. It's completed. Jesus says, I am going away. Well, I'm going away. But I will come to you. What is the advantage of Jesus' resurrection and taken up into glory, Acts chapter 1? A number of things, five. First of all, to secure our salvation. Secondly, to establish a dwelling place. Remember, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Thirdly, to send the Holy Spirit. If Christ had not risen, we would not have a Holy Spirit. Number four, to intercede on behalf of believers. He prays for us. He sits next to the throne of the Father on high and he prays for, he intercedes for us. And lastly, to be exalted in glory. It's an interesting statement that Jesus says later on when he says, if you, you should have rejoiced in this. You should have been gloriously rejoicing in this. Because if I stay here, then everything that Jesus has promised can't be fulfilled. The Holy Spirit can't come. You won't be able to do greater things than he did. You won't have peace. It's an amazing, amazing statement. You would have rejoiced. Which brings me to this. We need to remember the biblical truth that of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, the perfecter of the laws of God, the establisher and keeper of salvation, and coming again, King of kings and Lord of lords, had not gone to the glory of heaven, then the resurrection is a myth, and we would be most miserable in our sins. Jesus says rejoice. And we should rejoice that we have a Savior and we have a King who not just lives and is victorious over death and the grave, but by his finished work, we have the promise of the glory that still awaits us. If Jesus would just say one thing, that you may believe. The resurrection is the foundational proof of what we hold on our laps, what we read every morning or every evening, whenever you get into the word of God, it is the truth 
because it's based on one event and one event only. It is the resurrection. Individuals like to focus on the cross, and I do too, because there it was that the blood had to be shed by a perfect lamb of God in order to provide for the cleansing of sin. I got that. But if Christ had not risen from the grave, Paul says, then we are men most miserable. No hope. But in Christ and his resurrection, and, and in this passage, Jesus says, I'm going to go, but I'm coming back. I'm coming back for you. You're going to see me again. You're not going to see me right away, but you're going to see me again. And Jesus said, in that, understand the peace that I have for you. And then lastly, we have a comforting peace. As Jesus closes out these words in the upper room, he makes an interesting statement. He says, the devil's coming after me. He's coming. What Jesus in that one statement is highlighting the fact that it is time that the Lord's suffering is going to begin. And we know that the Satan used Judas Iscariot in order to get to Jesus, the Savior. And we understand that. But it's an interesting statement that Jesus said when he says, but he has no claim on me. He has no claim on me. He can't stop me. He can't resist me. He has nothing on me. Why? Because Jesus has no sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. But Jesus was perfect in every way. Fulfilled the scriptures to the nth degree. And now is seated. We have Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you something too, dear people. Being in Christ Jesus, get this. Satan has no hold on you. He has no hold on you. You don't belong to his kingdom. You were relieved from that position as Christ says, I took you from the kingdom of darkness and placed you into my kingdom of light. And it's by grace. It's by grace. God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. But there's something interesting. Satan is called the prince of the air. <laughs> I had to look up that phrase. And I came to realize in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2, and even in John chapter 12, verse 31, He's referred to that. He's the prince and power of the air. But I get excited when I read that because a prince is a whole lot lower than the king. And I've got the king who stands for me. The king has, has, has given to me a life by his grace and by faith alone. 
that the forces of darkness have no hold on me. And I can't wait for one day. Now, now before you get uh, all excited here, that doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. I don't mess up. I'd be, I'd be kind of interested to see how many of you are perfect out there this morning. We all make mistakes, but I'm here to tell you that when that trumpet is going to blow, that's why I was so excited that Renee, when she chose that song for us to sing as a choir, death has no hold on me. And it has no hold on those who know Christ Jesus as their Savior. Why is that? Because Jesus said he has no hold on me. And I'm in Christ. It doesn't make me any more special than anybody else. But all I do know is I have been set free. And Jesus says, so that. There's a, he has no hold on me. So that the world may know that I love the Father. <coughs> I want three verses that I want to give to you. John chapter 16, verse 11. As Jesus is teaching about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, in verse 11, he says, The Holy Spirit convicts men of sin and of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged already. In Colossians 2.15, It says, Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphantly over them in the resurrection. In Revelation 20, verse 10, this is the one that I, I hope I can see this. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire I can't imagine talk about singing hallelujah here can you imagine the heavenly choir getting all jacked up on that he will be thrown into the lake of fire never to be released and then Jesus wonderfully and gloriously says that maybe sin does lead to death and sin and death gave Satan a hold over people. But since Jesus is sinless, Satan can't claim him for his kingdom and darkness. Satan thought Jesus' death was a victory for him. But actually, it was Jesus' victory over Satan. We have a defeated foe, dear people. And in Christ and in Christ alone, we are faced this morning with the reality of a peace that passes all understanding. Are you troubled this morning? Are you heart-wrenched troubled? 
I, I believe that even though Jesus spoke these words to his disciples, they're for us even today. And Jesus says, peace, I leave you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. It's not temporal. It's everlasting. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. The words of Christ. Let us stand as we close in prayer. Oh, our dear God, it is gloriously wonderful to know that you provide for us a peace that overrides every storm. We can be like that little bird singing, even in the noise of the waves that would beat against the rocks, we can still Sing our song of hallelujah because of a peace that passes all understanding. Now may that peace that passes all understanding guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And may that peace rule in your hearts and may that peace guide your lives and may that peace sustain you even in a storm to realize that Jesus is coming again victoriously over the grave and death. And Satan has no hold on him and he has no hold on you to those who are in Christ Jesus. And now unto him be the power and the glory and the dominion both now and forevermore. In the name of Christ, I ask these things. Amen.